Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. This is part four of a five-part series. If you haven't listened to the first three parts, we recommend going back and doing that first. If you don't want to wait for the rest of the show, consider joining our Patreon where the entire series is available right now. Now, full disclosure, the final episode of the series is actually going to come out tomorrow. So we don't want you to feel cheated if you sign up tonight and, and all of a sudden it's out in your feed tomorrow. But no matter when you sign up, if you join our Patreon, you get a lot more 13, not just early access to multi-part stories like this one. You'll also get ad-free episodes, extra stories every month, exclusive merch, and access to a Patreon-only Discord where you can chat with us and other fans of the show. And like I said last time, join that Discord. It's so much fun. We love seeing all the new names in there, and uh, we love talking to you guys. So join up. Talk to us. We want to hear from you. If you want to learn more, check us out on patreon.com forward slash 13pod. We'll put a link in the show notes. All right. I think that's enough. Let's get on to the story. Are you ready? Here we go. I've always been a night owl. In middle school, I started staying up late in the summer. My parents thought it was harmless. No reason to have a strict bedtime on summer break. And when school started, I still stayed up on the weekends. When my bedtime came, I would lie awake until I heard my mom and dad go to bed. I'd wait until I thought they were asleep, and I'd get up and wander around the house. It was the closest I'd ever had to being home alone. After Dad was gone, there was a winter night when we were expecting snow. I stayed up, waiting for it, hoping school would be canceled in the morning. I had a lamp by my bed. It gave off a yellow light. I was probably reading a book, drawing, or doing something else to pass the time. And then, despite my plan to stay up and watch the snow, I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night. The lamp by my bed was still on, and it was still dark outside. The alarm clock said that it was after three in the morning. I looked over at my window, and I couldn't see anything because of the lamplight reflecting off of the glass. When I reached over to turn it off, the room went dark. And that's when I saw it. The night sky was bright white. And then, I saw the flakes of snow drifting softly and silently past my window. I crawled over to the edge of my bed and looked outside. It was a sheet of white as far as I could see. The gentle downhill slope of the tree line, the branches of the trees were covered too. But there was something else. Something was moving out there. Lots of somethings. It took a second to register. Rabbits. There were dozens and dozens of rabbits, hopping along and leaving little tracks in the fresh snow. 
I watched them for what felt like forever. They were just going about their business, completely unaware that they had an audience. After Dad was gone, in the quiet of the night, I used to think that I could hear his voice across the house, from the driveway, from the backyard, and this night was no exception. While I watched the rabbits, I heard his voice in the wind, in the creaks and the pops of the wood floor. I'd hear it when the heat kicked on, but it was just my mind wanting something that I could never get back. As the clock crept closer to four in the morning, and then five, I watched them, one by one, make their way back toward the tree line, retreating to their burrows where they'd sleep the day away. And meanwhile, the snow kept falling, smoothing out their little footprints, all those trails of rabbit's feet. It only took a few minutes for the snow to cover them completely. And it was like... They were never there. I would dream about them too, the rabbits. I remember a dream that began with me opening the sliding door and stepping onto the deck, looking over the back of the property. I was barefoot. There was snow under my feet, but it didn't bother me. The wood creaked like it was straining against the cold, and in front of me, there was the expanse of white and the dozens of rabbits going about their business, hopping to and fro. I saw a light, like a lantern moving through the trees, that didn't seem out of place in the dream. I don't know how long it took me to notice it, but something had changed. The air became still. The snow muffles sound, but the silence was sudden and heavy. I brought my attention back to the rabbits below me in the snow. They'd all stopped what they were doing, all of them, and they were looking at me. Hundreds of little rabbits' eyes focused on me, and there was something else. They were standing up on their back legs, all of them, as they watched me. I felt panic begin to well up in my limbs and my chest. I could all of a sudden feel the cold on my body. Just before the panic took hold, I remembered what my grandmother had said. If you see an animal that doesn't look right, apologize for disturbing it and walk away. The words came out through shivering teeth. I'm sorry to bother you. I moved away from the railing, keeping my eyes on them as I felt myself back against the sliding door. Nothing moved. Even the lantern making its way through the trees came to a stop. I felt around for the handle and backed my way through the door. And from the window I watched as the rabbits, one by one, went back to their business. I got back to Mom's house after parting ways with Erica at the bar. Just as I anticipated, Donovan wasn't there. 
I wasn't surprised, but I was irritated. He'd gone home with Calamity Clemens, which would have been fine in any other circumstance. But I was scared, and maybe I didn't have the right to be mad at him, but I was. I hadn't told him that I was afraid of being alone in the house. But also, it was the night before Thanksgiving. It was a night that we'd always been home with Mom. I'd come in from Chicago. He'd drive over from Lexington. It was a time we'd always been together. Hadn't we said in the grocery store, when I had my little breakdown, that we were going to do better, to make sure things didn't fall apart without Mom here to hold us together? Had it just been about humoring me, getting past that moment, did it really mean anything at all? I shouldn't be like this. He and I are different. He doesn't like to process his feelings alone. I would get over it, but not until the light of day. Not until this anxious feeling passed. I walked into the house. I crept into every room looking for something out of place. Something or someone that shouldn't be there. Desperately trying to regain that feeling of security, of safety. I looked in every closet and under every bed. At some point, I was finally satisfied that I was alone, and I allowed myself to relax. But even then, I was aware of every pop, creak, and crack of the settling house. It was almost one in the morning. I was still amped up from the noise and all of the people at the bar. But underneath it, I was exhausted and ready for bed. I made my way back to the guest room, my childhood bedroom. I changed into a t-shirt and sweatpants. I left the kitchen light on so some of it would filter its way under the crack in the door, just like I did when I was a kid. I compulsively checked the doors one more time. They were locked. I closed my bedroom door and reached over to the lamp by the bed. When I turned off the light, I was struck by how bright the room was. The clouds reflecting bright white. The silvery blue night projecting the shape of the window frame on the far wall of the room. The snow was tapering away. Only a few flakes were still gliding down. I looked out, and there they were. Dozens of rabbits, hopping around, doing whatever rabbits do. Just like when I was a kid, I watched them for a minute. That magic I felt as a little girl, it wasn't the same. Life has a way of dulling the edges around moments like these. But there was a twinge of nostalgia, and for a moment, I could pretend. I laid down, looking up at the ceiling. Almost right away, I could feel myself fading. I remembered that dream I used to have. The light from what might have been a lantern being carried through the trees. The rabbits on their hind legs, all staring at me. The stories from my grandmother about animals in the forest not being what they seemed. In my exhaustion, it wasn't scary. It was somehow cozy. 
Something else happened in those last moments before I fell asleep, just like when I was a kid, right after my dad was gone. I felt something, a presence nearby. I woke up the next morning to my phone buzzing. It was Donovan. I looked at the time. It was a few minutes after 7 a.m. He said he needed a ride back to his car. I told him I'd be over when I got up. There was another text. The sooner the better, he said. I rolled my eyes and sat up. Get an Uber, I told him. There was a response almost immediately. There isn't Uber in this town. Right away, the phone started ringing. What? Hey, can you get here soon? Get where? You didn't bother to say where you were going last night? I knew exactly where he was. And he knew that I knew exactly where he was, too. But I wasn't going to make this easy for him. I just woke up. It's going to take a minute. I know, but she's got to get ready for the holiday with her family, so please, just as soon as you can. Wait, why are you whispering? What? She's not even awake yet, is she? (gasps) You're sneaking out before she wakes up? Jesus Christ, please, just come get me as soon as you can. Send me the address. We hung up and I got dressed, but I didn't rush. He made his bed. He can lie in it. It was almost 8 a.m. when I pulled up in front of the address he'd sent me. I started typing out a message letting him know I was here. But before I could finish, I saw him slinking out the front door and pulling it shut as quietly as he could. He half walked, half jogged to the car. Thanks for coming to get me. You know, you don't have to whisper anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, how's Calamity Clemens? You know, turns out she still really doesn't like that name. Really? Calamity Clemens is such a cool name. Right? I can see why she wouldn't have liked it in high school, but it really grows on you. I guess she wasn't able to shake the association. So, think you're going to see her again? No. I... I don't think so. It was typical, and true to form. But it also wasn't my place to comment on it. There was a long pause where neither of us knew what to say. Finally, he spoke up. Sorry for not telling you where I was going last night. Yeah? I just got kind of tunnel-visioned, you know? I bet you did. Jesus, sorry. It's fine. It's just that, you know, you haven't been around at all. I thought you were going to stay there two nights ago, and you didn't. You bailed again last night. And I know we've never really been close, so if you just don't want to spend time around me, that's fine too. Just tell me what it is so I can at least know how I should act around you. That's not what it is, and you know it. 
What do you mean I know it? You won't talk to me. I don't know anything. It's because I can't stand that house. It's fine when it's full of people, when it's you and mom, but but when it's quiet, when I'm there by myself, I can't stand it. There was a tense silence in the car. The house creeps you out too. Yeah, it always has. It occurred to me then that he'd been there. He'd been at the house the night before I came home. He'd been at the house. I realized then that I hadn't asked how mom had been found. Finally, it clicked. He'd probably not been able to get an answer from her on the phone. Or he was just stopping by. He still has a key, just like I do. God damn it. The night he called me, he was probably there. Donovan, did you find mom? He didn't say anything for a long moment. It's not that. Not really. Have you read Mom's letter? No. I was hanging on to it until it felt right. Have you? We were pulling into the bar. The parking lot had been packed the night before, but now it was just his car and a couple of others. Abandoned for the night. A layer of snow on top of them all. Let's talk about it later. Are you going back to the house? Yeah. Where else would I go? I sat in the parking lot while he knocked the snow off of his car. If he was afraid of the house too, does that mean that it's not just in my head? I'm not just letting the circumstances get to me? And what did he mean when he asked about mom's letter? When he'd cleaned off the car and started the engine, I pulled out of the parking lot. He was right behind me. There were no cars coming in either direction. We drove through a silent and motionless town. It was Thanksgiving morning. When we got back to the house, it felt like there was a sort of reset. I took a shower, and Donovan laid down on the couch and went back to sleep for a little while. Around noon, we got ourselves together and started trying to make our very own Thanksgiving dinner. We knew we were starting pretty late in the day. Mom had always gotten everything started the night before. We peeled potatoes and then boiled them. Neither of us knew what to use to mash them, but we figured it out. The online recipe I was following had us add what seemed like an unreasonable amount of butter and then salt. I'd never really tried to make a big meal before. It was always so intimidating and also, I'd never really had to. It turns out that the mashed potatoes were really the only thing we had to prepare. Heating up the rotisserie chicken only took a few minutes in the oven and the canned cranberry sauce and store-bought pumpkin pie took a grand total of two minutes. We were done a little after 1 p.m. So much for a late dinner. 
The chicken was fine. The pumpkin pie and cranberry sauce were both good. And somehow, we'd managed to make the mashed potatoes taste like absolutely nothing. And even though the food could have been better, it was still nice spending time together. We'd been thrown into it this first time. We didn't have a chance to prepare or learn what we were doing. But next time, we'd know what to do. After lunch, it was my turn to take a nap. My brother had woken me up early, after all. I thought about Calamity Clemens, waking up alone. What a way to start the holiday. Donovan was an asshole. But he was my brother. As I was drifting off, I could hear him fumbling around with the record player again. Then, one of Dad's old albums began to play. Later that night, we finally circled back to what we'd talked about that morning in the car. When he told me he was afraid of the house, too. When he asked if I'd read Mom's letter. We'd been avoiding it all day. We settled into the living room, and he showed me the letter Mom left for him. He handed it over, and I read Mom's handwriting. For the most part, it was exactly what I'd expected. An accounting of pride and how she admired the person he'd become. A few platitudes of wisdom. She said that life is about choices. She said you have to choose the people that choose you and put your energy there with them. It was only a page or so, but I read it slowly. I was aware that there would be precious few moments from here onward where I'd see new words from her. It was all as expected, until the very end. In the last paragraph, the letter took a turn. She wrote, I know that you've made a life for yourself in the city. I know it's hard to pick up and start over. But this house was mine and your father's dream home. We used to dream about retiring here and eventually passing it on to you or your sister. It would make us proud to know that it stayed in the family. It's a good house. It's sturdy, a solid foundation, lots of light. It's been a good place to make a life. And I hope that one of you will hold on to it. Settle down and make a life here, just like we did. It's okay if you don't. But if you do decide to stay, please... Stay away from the forest. I thought back to the first morning we were here in the house, seeing the first hints of dawn and the figure on the edge of the woods. But mostly, I thought about my grandmother and her warnings. What do you think? But she always told us that stuff wasn't real. Yeah, but you know better, right? I mean, I kind of forgot about it for a while since I moved out, but it was always in the back of my mind when I lived here. 
I knew it sounded crazy, but I also knew that it sounded right. Nothing about his words surprised me. Remember when we used to see the kids in the forest, right, trying to get us to come and play? When we went down to the edge of the trees and we'd hear them? It always happened at sunset or at dawn or in the half-light. But you could hear them all night long sometimes. That's why I used to come and sleep with you as a kid. But why is it such a big deal that kids played in the forest? That's what kids do. They play in the woods. It's normal. Holly, there were no kids living anywhere around here. There never have been. And first thing in the morning? If they walked all the way through the woods to get to our side, they'd have to start way before it was light out. What kids are going to do that? What parents would let them? I didn't know what to say. My mind was racing. All at once, it was a relief to know that I wasn't alone. But hearing it from him made it real. There's one more thing. I saw this a couple days ago, and I didn't know what to do with it. He made his way down the stairs and back up again. He brought the camcorder back up with him. The one Mom bought and, to my knowledge, never used. He also brought up a little box of miniature VHS tapes that went with it. It turns out, she had been using it, just not around us. There was a little screen that you could open up on the side of the camcorder and play back the tapes. My brother grabbed one of the tapes and put it into the camcorder. Then he closed it up with a plastic click. We sat side by side on the couch and he messed with it for a moment until finally it started running. He handed the whole thing to me and pressed the volume button to make it loud enough to hear. The image on the screen bounced around. It was shaky, like it was being carried over uneven ground. I recognized it right away. It was the end of the yard, back by the tree line. I was able to confirm that that's exactly where she was when she panned the camcorder and I could see the house. This one's pretty boring. There's not much on it. She doesn't really talk or say anything. Most of the tapes look like this. I watched for a couple of minutes, not knowing what to expect. In the video, the leaves were turning colors. A lot of them had fallen. We watched for a few moments. Nothing happened. She was just walking and filming the trees. Was I supposed to see something? Not yet. He grabbed the camcorder back from me and popped out the first tape. A few of the tapes were more like this. He handed the camcorder back to me, and I watched on the little screen. It was in the same location, more or less. But this time, the leaves were all off the trees. It was winter. The ground was frozen. I could hear crunching under her feet. I turned to my brother. What am I looking at? It's what you're listening for. Just as he finished speaking, I heard it. I felt a sinking feeling in my chest. 
My brother must have seen it all over my face. It's him, isn't it? When was this? Uh, look at the date at the top of the screen. I did. January 2005. A few months after he died. How is that possible? I heard the voice come from the camcorder again. I remembered Mom's walks on the tree line. I hadn't realized what she was doing down there. She was recording my dad's voice from the forest. You just found these? I've been here with you the whole time. When did you even have a chance to watch them? I actually found them in high school. You were gone to college and I was snooping around downstairs. Why didn't you say something? It, say something? To her? Uh, yeah, ask her why she was wandering the woods and what was making our dead dad's voice. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I thought you already knew. Why would I know? I don't know. You're my big sister. I just thought you knew things. Hey, you knew about the kids in the forest. You knew about the rabbits. What? What about the rabbits? I used to get scared and sleep in your room. When you got up to go out on the deck to watch the rabbits, I followed you. My mind was racing. The rabbits hadn't been a dream. Okay, okay. I... I know where all of this is going. But it's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Hang on. There's one more. He took the camcorder back from me. The tape started in right away. It was shakier than before. And that voice... I could hear Mom breathing in gasps and whimpers. The camera was panning all through the woods. Erratic. I couldn't see anything clearly. Then, all of a sudden, something happened. My mom spoke. There was no sound after she spoke. I thought maybe the volume had cut out. But then I could hear her feet on the frozen ground. She kept moving, panning the camera. And then she came to a stop. And I saw it. Almost at the edge of the frame, there was a figure. Someone or something taking a step backward, back into the woods. I flipped the screen closed and I stood up in a startled panic. I want to go. I don't want to be here anymore. But it's almost full dark. It'll be fine once it's dark. I don't want to be here anymore. Okay. We can stay at my place tonight. I gathered my things as quickly as I could while he waited. He didn't seem particularly concerned. He'd come to terms with all of this years ago. But I haven't. We made our way out of the house and to the cars. Just as I reached my driver's side door, I heard something from the distance. Holly. 
Did you hear that? Let's go. He got into his car, and I got into mine, and we started down the driveway. His headlights behind me. I realized that I'd left my coat in the house. It was freezing, but I wasn't going to go back. At the bottom of the hill, as I turned onto the main road, the first flakes of snow began to fall. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. If you don't want to wait until tomorrow for the conclusion, it's available on Patreon right now. Check us out at patreon.com slash 13pod. There's a link in the show notes. This was part four of The Mist and the Trees, written by Ian Epperson, narrated by me, Brooke Jeanette. Dustin Parsons was Donovan. Emma Sherjarko was mom. Ian Epperson was dad. Nate Dufort was the lawyer. And Shelby Scott was Erica. Music editing and sound design by Kayla Britchie. With assistance from Bridget Freeman. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Jackie Kay, Delta Tango, Chantel Payne, Nick, Emily Douglas, Stephanie Klinger, and Jake R. Thank you guys so much for your support. Check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Pod13. And you can join the Facebook group for 13 Podcast. Just look for the logo. You'll find links in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, or if you'd like to contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You'll find submission guidelines and other info on our website, 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes, too. Bridget Freeman is standing up on her back legs. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.